We hope you enjoy this episode with Lynn Oldham, Chief People Officer at Zoom, John Rulin, the CEO of Giftology. He wrote the book on gifting, and Ronnie Steinberg, Facilities Manager at Lyra Health, which is a mental health care provider during the pandemic. We initially put this on as a webinar and recorded this outside of our traditional podcasting studio, so the quality may be a little bit eh, but the content is superb, and it was one of the reasons that we decided to tackle the topics of COVID for future podcasts. So I hope you enjoy it and uh, appreciate your time. Thanks, guys. I am John Acapenti. I am the CEO of NatureBox, and I am super excited for the uh, webinar today. The topic is keeping work from home teams engaged. We have an all-star panel of uh, experts to help us in this conversation. A few housekeeping items I wanted to mention before we get started is that uh, this is 45 minutes uh, beginning to end, so we'll try to be timely on our timing. We have a chat feature that everyone in the audience can use. The audience is also muted. So if you're screaming at your computer, it's not really helping, but use the chat window. We also have a Q&A section uh, in the window. And so we may be asking you some poll questions during this uh, interactive uh, session. I really encourage, uh, there's a, a section here about a third, two thirds of the way through where we'll be anticipating and asking questions from the audience. Uh, we may even throw in a poll or two uh, during the presentation to get started. And so uh, as the host, I wanna uh, welcome everyone. And uh, I'll kick off this topic by just saying that, you know, we all live in a really interesting time. Uh, all of our lives are personally turned upside down. The workforce is turned upside down. Uh, COVID and all the other extreme things that are happening in today's world uh, have a lot of challenges on all of us. What's interesting is that there's statistics that show that 37% of all jobs in the United States could be worked from home. Um, before the pandemic, people were not paying attention to that statistic. Also, consistent polling, including our own polling and polling from Global Workforce Analytics says that 80% of employees would love to work from home at least part-time and do this on a more consistent basis. The flip side of that is that 80% of managers are scared to death of this. Like, you know, how do I manage productivity? How do I engage my team? How do I keep morale up and going? So those are the topics that we're really going to talk about today. And uh, without further ado, I want to introduce our three speakers today. And um, they're terrific. So Lynn Oldham has 20 years experience, progressive experience with strategic HR leadership. She's worked with big banks from BPN in Paris to uh, CPG brands like Driscoll's where we get these little berries. I didn't know, Lynn, that you were in the food business. I thank you. That's awesome. But the last 20 years has led her up to the biggest challenge of her career, where the last 20 months she has been at Zoom. And Zoom went public in 2019, and it's been a rocket ship ever since then. Uh, but she likes to say that she joined from IPO to pandemic. And so Lynn has a super interesting perspective, not only from Zoom, which is the software that we all use, uh, but she also has a company and a uh, team to uh, remain engaged in and uh, focus. Uh, Ronnie Steinberg is our second guest. Ronnie is a improvement performance improvement leader and office manager, facilities manager for Lyra Health. Lyra Health is providing mental, he mental health care services uh, for employees. So just like you would get uh, health care, dental, 
Uh, Lyra provides mental health care access to professionals for our employees during this time. You think about COVID is one thing, working from home is another, dealing with fires, dealing with uh, social unrest. There's a tremendous amount of stress both on managers and employees, and Lyra Health is at the forefront of that. But uh, uh, Ronnie also has her own team that she's engaging as well, just like Lynn, uh, and she has a lot of things that she's been doing to keep those folks engaged and, um, and motivated. Finally, we're really excited to have um, uh, John Rulin. So John, uh, uh, Clay Hubert, and Seth Godin have kind of put together a six-word intro, which is, he helps leaders not suck at showing gratitude. What does that mean? So John is the founder of the Rulin Group, which is a gifting logistics company. Uh, they uh, work with big clients like Wells Fargo, Chicago Cubs, uh, Caesars, and they have basically shown the science of how you actually give to have authentic relationships with your employees and your customers. So uh, John is also noted as uh, having the best-selling book on, on gifting, the strategy and science around this. And his um, uh, also claim to fame is that at age 23, he was the number one Cutco salesman in the world. And he still holds the record for the number of, of, of products sold. So I'm super excited to be talking to John. John's team has been working remotely for uh, most of his career as well. So he, well before the pandemic, has a perspective that he can give us as well as uh, tell us how to drive gratitude. So with that, I wanna switch and, and provide uh, the first question, we'll go to Lynn. Um, so a lot of people probably think that Zoom, you know, we're all using the software, right? You must've been virtual from the beginning. Um, now you went public, but um, you also have employees that went into the office and you also have to help uh, uh, figure out how to arm your managers and keep them engaged. So tell us what are the things that you're doing at Zoom, Lynn, and we'll start with you. Oh, new. Thank you so much, John, for having me. I really do appreciate to be with all of you, Ronnie and, and John. And I, I think, um, yeah, that's, I think that is one of the most, uh, unknown things about Zoom is we were less than 20% remote before all this started. And then boom, uh, March 4th, we were gone. We were all at home working from home, which, uh, and now we're 100% remote. Um, so, so that I have all the same challenges as, as you all for sure. Um, I think some of the things I'll talk about first, let's talk about managers. Cause I think John, you are spot on. Managers are a little freaked out by the fact that they've got to manage sight unseen, right? So, uh, you know, other than as and the site of Zoom, um, yeah. we we did early on a series that we called courageous conversations, uh, and and really teaching leaders how to have empathetic conversation and facilitating. Um, those conversations with their team. So we didn't leave them to their own devices. We actually helped them do that. And I think that actually brought teams closer together and made that beginning a little less rocky. Um, the other thing we did was a thing called um, Leading Happy. That was our flagship uh, managerial course. And we took that from a two-day in-person event to a multi-week snack size for you, John, snack size learning for leaders during the pandemic. Um, and we just graduated 63 leaders from that. So that, and we're adapting our learning so that we're teaching more around this idea of virtual. Um, for employees, we did, we did a whole bunch of different things, but I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a few. 
Um, Ronnie, we added mental health benefits with Lyra as of the first of the year, and we are so happy that we did. Um, and that's been very uh, much uh, uh, the, the rock of the stress at this point in time um, through this pandemic. Um, we also had a wellness program that was very much faced at gyms. If, you know, we're, we're going to pay Orange Theory. We're going to pay for, for the things that you need to do for physical wellness. Um, and we switched it up a little bit and we said, let's open the doors wider and figure out what wellness means to everybody. So we opened it for everything from um, mental wellness, uh, apps like Calm, um, things like gro grocery delivery. So, so we tried to keep people at home, um, some of their, their, their um, office equipment. Um, we encouraged employees to take breaks to really find ways to get away from this and take a walk, take the dog for a walk, take the kids for a walk, just to do something different. We partnered with the American Health Association. Um, and then we did things like virtual events, I'm sure you're all doing. Um, and we did a camp for our kids, our Zoomlets, um, called Camp Zoomitude. Uh, we partnered up with this guy named Matt Immersion who wrote Every Monday Matters. And it was a gratitude focused camp that we did for our Zoomlets for, uh, to give our parents a break this summer because nothing else was open, right? Um, so those are some of the things that we did over the, um, the past seven months. We've already been here seven months. Uh, yeah, and we're trying more, right? But for now, this is what we've done. Yeah, interesting. So the Zoomlets is really kind of getting into the family circle, right? That's, that's mm -hmm. interesting. Uh, Ronnie, I know we were going to go to you next, but I, I think that kind of ties very well into um, – into what uh, John is doing. So John, you've actually been working remote uh, with your teams for a long time, and you have some pretty extraordinary gifts and things that you do for your team. Um, but you have this concept in Giftology of going into the inner circle, trying to, you know, it's not just about the employee, but it's the, the family members as well. So John, maybe you could just tell us what you're doing with some of your own employees and how that actually informs some of the, the Giftology methodologies and thoughts, like one or two key principles. Yeah, well, I think that one of the things that a lot of times people wouldn't focus on is external, and we focus just as much on the internal customer, which is our team, and we have for the last 20 years. I started the business 20 years ago when I was in college and had one employee to start, and that's grown from there. But, uh, but we realized that if you want your employees to deliver Ritz-Carlton service or Four Seasons service, you better like deliver that to your own employees. Like uh, oftentimes the clients get the Ritz and then the employees get the Motel 6 and there's this major gap, like that doesn't work. And so it can't just be lip service. So some of the stuff we do, we pay for the last seven years, we pay to have all of our employees' houses cleaned every other week. And it's not, they can't take the cash. They either accept the benefit or they don't because a lot of times they'd feel guilty, take the money and then go buy groceries or bills or whatever else. And, you know, you talk about mental health and, and just overall culture, like their spouses love it. They, have, they get those four to six hours back. They spend more time with their kids. They're less stressed. They're more bought in. I mean, I, when I spoke at Google, like I had people that were pulling me aside saying, hey, is, you know, is, uh, is Giftology hiring? And they were joking, but they're also kind of serious because they're like, holy crap. Like a lot of companies will do anything and they, their mindset is keep them on campus, keep them on site. And we sometimes forget as leaders that the employees like have a life outside of the company. And I think that's become more apparent in the last seven months is working from home. So our big focus is anytime we can do, whether it's a tangible gift or a service gift, 
we started sending crazy four to six thousand dollar mattresses to some of our employees as people are like that's nuts and i'm like you'll hire somebody and give them a 45 to fifty five thousand dollar salary range like a ten thousand dollar delta and nobody ever thinks anything about that as a labor cost but i'm like why why not reinvest money back into your employees right from the start to set them off to be feel like they're they have ownership in the company and so so many people wait for the gold watch at 20 years i'm like give the gold watch early to inspire them to want to stick around and, and run through walls for you. And especially during downturns, you need everybody rowing the same direction. And yes, it's not easy, but I think that the things that we've done have set us up for to play against these, you know, the big boys and be able to compete because of how we treat people. And, and it go, it's gone a long way. Yeah. It's just that, that, that inner circle, Ronnie, I want you to uh, jump in here. So Lyra health is in a really interesting position as a company uh, providing mental health services, which are probably desperately needed right now. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you're seeing uh, in sort of macro trends within um, uh, your, your business at Lyra. And also what are you doing to um, uh, engage and keep the morale going at Lyra health for your own employees and team? Absolutely, I'd be happy to. Um, first, John, thank you for bringing us all together. Um, this is amazing. And then Lynn, thank you for that plug. But I don't just want to thank you for that plug. I want to say thank you for thinking of your employees and their mental health. Um, and I want to thank our audience for all being here who are paying attention to their employees and how that they can better improve their experience. So now I'm going to actually answer John's question and share some of the things that aren't so pleasant and why paying attention to mental health is so important especially right now. Um, so we've definitely noticed a, a fast track and uh, adaptation of mental health benefits. We've had a lot of companies reach out to us that are recognizing the urgency of their employees and their families' mental health. So that's a big difference that we've noticed since the start of the pandemic. Um, as an example, we typically launch our customer, our, our services to our clients and customers in January 1st, um, the beginning of the year. And basically since the pandemic has started, we've been launching a few companies every month. So again, um, companies are seeing the importance and the urgency in addressing their employees' mental health and how to give them the services to really cope with what's going on in such a complex dynamic world that we're living in right now. Um, not only are we launching sooner, but we're also implementing our services a lot quicker. Um, generally, it takes about a month or so to implement our services, and now we're doing it within weeks. So again, it's just to highlight the importance and the urgency and the fact that people are noticing it, that we do need help and we need to be there for each other. So um, I'm excited to share that part, but now I'm going to share why we're needing to do this. Um, since the start of the pandemic, we've definitely increased, we've seen an increase in our utilization. Um, people are signing up for more services and more help, which is good that they're asking for help and they have the platform with which to do it. We're also seeing an increase in more severe symptoms. For example, anxiety and deep depression have increased quite a bit since the start of the pandemic. Um, and we've also partnered with the National Coalition of Healthcare Purchaser Organization, and we've provided a study. And in that study, we found that approximately 40% of those that took the study um, reported feeling burnt out. So again, this is something that we need to focus on. Not only are they feeling burnt out, um, but then productivity will reduce, which is a concern of managers. Um, and 38% of those US workers 
who have an increase in mental health struggle are considering a career change, especially when they're not feeling supported by their company within their mental health experiences. So again, a big kudos, a big shout out to all of us who are here together, who are recognizing that we need to find something to support one another. Um, and just a bit of pride for Lyra Health, who is really working hard to get people in front of therapists and the right care as quickly and as easily as possible. Um, so that's that part. Now let me talk about my employees and how we're helping each other. Not only um, do we come together for a lot of different avenues and times, but we all have access to Lara Health. So that's very helpful. So if we need a therapist or a coach, we have that access. Um, one of the things that we did almost right away is we created a video on how to cope with COVID. And if anyone's interested, I believe I can share that video out um, throughout the day. Um, we've done a lot of fun things uh, like Lynn has shared and um, not quite to the extent of the other services of Giftology, um, but we do get together. Um, one of the first things, or actually the first thing we did for our employees is we got them a gift of NatureBox. And our employees absolutely love it and talk about it in Slack channel all the time. And not only did we incorporate it as a one-time gift, we're now doing Snackology on a monthly basis. And for other events, we do lunches together, yoga, painting parties, escape rooms. Um, my boss is, uh, our CEO is encouraging our employees to take vacation. We have a virtual running group. We have a Slack channel of good things happen. Um, and just really taking some time to come together and um, giving ourselves the allowances to forgive ourselves for not necessarily being productive during a time of high stress as well. Oh, I think you're muted. Of course, that's a... Uh... Uh, common thing. So do you think it's harder and harder to keep iterating? Like at, at first there's a lot of energy, like at NatureBox, we did a wellness challenge. We put our entire team into different uh, teams of like five to 10. And then uh, we had, uh, you could earn wellness points. And then we were competing. These different teams were competing to generate more wellness points. If you were to give a compliment to, um, you know, a family member, you could earn three points. If you called a relative, if you worked out for 30, you know, 30 days, and there was a ton of effort and excitement. The Slack channel was booming. Uh, my wife was asking me, like, why are you complimenting me so often? And so, uh, uh, but we had fun with it. And uh, at the end, like, there was this little, you know, uh, gift. And we were super engaged. But as time goes on, it's like, how do you keep that momentum going? Like, how do you get the creativity to keep it, to keep it real? And I'd open that up to Ronnie and anyone else on the, on the, the panel to kind of think about that. At um, Zoom, we've got a uh, grassroots group called Happy Crew. It's 175 okay. volunteers across the globe. Um, and they're, they're actually working on a lot of this for us. And I'm so thankful for that because they are uber creative and they can, you know, they just, they come up with the greatest things. So uh, some of the things we've done, oh, goodness. We had, we, the open mic night was one of my faves because I didn't realize just how talented um, a group of people I have. So uh, that was one of my favorites, but they've, they've done all kinds of things. I think it, to keep it fresh, you've got to keep a couple of 
a lot more brains than mine on the, on that pro project. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, we're just looking at the polling question right now. Is your company engaged with employees through events like movie night, morning coffee? And 63% are 37, close to 40% of companies are not. So that's kind of interesting. And that poll is continuing to come in and rating their company's experience and how they're engaging with remote employees. You know, 50% are at a three, uh, you know, so there's, there's some good for those that are engaging. It sounds like there's uh, some good, good things going on. Uh, wow. So like 38% or 40%, you know, Ronnie, going back to your, that, that's some serious, you know, concern about the mental health of our employees. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not only just the personal concern we have for employees, but also it, it's, you know, there's some real, you know, like if 38% are burnout out and they're thinking about going somewhere else, retention is super key. Yeah. Um, you know, John, how do you help companies and think about, you know, retention? Because that's, once you have, like, you invest in an employee and then they feel like leaving, that's that's kind of a big deal, right? So. Yeah, massive. Yeah, well, I mean, I think people realize it costs a lot to recruit and train, especially higher level people, but really all employees, like, there's a cost there. I mean, I, we try to map out and, and get real numbers to it so that, that people can understand a reinvestment back into your team while it might seem crazy or expensive at first. You know, the, the house cleaning we're paying, you know, to the, the mental health side, like we pay for marriage retreats for a lot of our employees because if they go through a divorce, guess what? They might stay and be burnt out, which a lot of people do. They're actively disengaged, but, but they're sitting in a seat and that costs, what's that cost the company? It costs a lot of money to have people sticking around, but not being engaged. And I think that understanding that people are, you know, yes, we want them to be productive, but we need them to be like, uh, they're a holistic person, mental health. You know, like their kids, their pets, you know, like understanding that addressing as many of those people in those constituents, we call it the inner circle, there's like four buckets, and every human being has them, you know, a spouse or a significant other, um, pets or kids or, you know, team, other people that are around them, friends and family. And so the more you can start to connect the dots for those people and they realize that you actually have their best interests in mind then when they go through the dip of mental health and whatever else, they're willing to raise their hand because they know you have their best interest. They're not going to like look at them weird. Like our team comes to us and, and ha with those challenges and we're like, Hey, how can we help? Can we pay for like one of the things that came out of the people asking was unlimited babysitter for date nights. We started to realize like going on a date was a big deal. It's great for a, a relationship, but for a lot of people like paying for the babysitter sometimes might be the hurdle that keeps them from doing something like that. And so, you know, we, we do help people with the tangible gifts of like onboarding and, hey, surprise the spouse of the employee right at the beginning. And some of those sorts of things, I think, that are really powerful and tangible. Um, you mentioned, you know, Cutco in our bio, like people are like, what's your hot gift right now in the pandemic? I'm like, we sent, Cutco can't make knives fast enough, which sounds silly, like knives is gifts. But most people, you know, wellness programs are cooking at home or eating. We're selling just an insane hundreds of millions of dollars in knives because people are spending more time at home with their families. And most people look around their kitchen or their patio or whatever. And like, man, like we should have replaced this five years ago. So like home improvement companies are going through the roof, like Lowe's had their best quarter ever. And so I think that understanding and tying things back to the family and the home as much as possible versus just saying, Hey, here's another office related thing. Like we're not just droids. Like we're not just workers, like we're humans. And I think it doesn't matter the industry, doesn't matter the size of the company, people, forget that it even in 2020 we're human beings with emotions feelings hopes dreams you know like 
there's some basic concepts there that you can tie into and that are pretty universal. So, but John, there's a, so there's, so I have these Cutco knives. Thank you. For, <laughs> and they're, it's not just a Cutco knife, but they're engraved with my wife's name on it. My wife is like, who gave you those? Like, and every time we pick that knife up, which is like, oh, night, nightly, because we cook a lot, you know, it's a reminder, but there's people in the audience are asking questions. One of those questions, Hey, I'm a nonprofit. I don't have like these, you know, massive budgets to send, you know, mattresses and, you know, that's for the, maybe, you know, the big companies, the, how do you react to that question of like, what are some, you know, thought, other, other ways to do it without just, you know, big spend? Yeah. Well, I would say that reverse engineering, I mean, we work with nonprofits and other organizations. A lot of it has to be strategically from the top to say, Hey, we're going to allot. Cause what I found even for a nonprofit, they're not going to, nobody brags about their health benefits or their 401k. There's a lot of things in business that cost a lot of money for an organization that are table stakes. But when you can start to get creative, like, I tell people all the time, like the handwritten note, even in 2020 is one of the most powerful things on the planet for a manager, for a leader, for a CEO to use because it shows thoughtfulness and time and engagement. And so even the silly knives or the mattress doesn't mean a whole lot unless you provide context and meaning with the note and the timing and not waiting for somebody to work for 50 years before they get it. Like these archaic principles that existed in the 1950s don't necessarily apply to our workforce right now. And so I think that it's not always spending the most money, but it is being creative and being thoughtful. And so the knives are a great example. Like you might not buy, you know, a full $5,000 knife set, but sending a person, your team, one knife is doable, even for a nonprofit or handwriting a note to the 10 people that report to you. And don't just like make it a, you know, standard, like, thank you for being you. Like it needs to be specific. It needs to be like thoughtful. You need to put energy into it to where it really like feels meaningful to them. And if you want to take it up 10 notches on the mental health side, there's all these studies that have shown, like, if you take that note and go read it to the person, I don't care if it's your spouse or you're the person who's on your team, your joy and your gratitude go up because it's so rare for somebody to connect at that human to human level. Most people cry when they read the notes, if they put a lot of thought into them. So it's not like people will sometimes hear our message and be like, Oh, like that's only for, you know, the Rolexes of the world. And I'm like, no, like we work with all ranges of companies because it's, it's tied to thoughtfulness. It's tied like gratitude seems like a woo woo thing. And so you actually realize we're emotional beings. We make decisions emotionally and then we justify logically and we forget to add that. It seems like this weak, like warm, fuzzy thing, but really it's the essence of what makes a connection with, whether it's in you know business or personally, it's what allows for relationships to flourish is, is those like emotional, non-tangible things. Interesting. Like, um, uh, you know, this authentic, uh, how do we express authentic gratitude as leaders to our employees when we're behind these screens? Like it's, that's a challenge, right? Imagine like onboarding uh, new employees, like you want to bring them into the culture, uh, you know, and, and Lynn, I'm going to have you go off mute because I was going to, your company from public to today is like double, like in, it's an insane amount of growth. And all those people are working from home. You have not actually met them and walked them into a building and got the feeling of culture. So how do you, how do you deal with that struggle? Just onboarding a new employee through that process and bringing them in. No, that's, that is a great question because we would before uh, COVID bring every fly everyone into a location, whether that was San Jose or Denver, but we brought people in from Australia, uh, all, all the reaches of the, of the globe 
And with, with the pandemic, we had to rethink that. Um, and we really just created, and there's, there's a number of things that happened, but the immersive day is all about exactly what John was talking about. It's not about, you know, where's your computer? How do you log in? All that stuff. It's about how do you connect with the other people at Zoom? How do, how do you understand? We, we actually coined a phrase um, we don't call it gratitude, we call it Zoomitude. And the entire day is about Zoomitude and, and how we work together um, as, as, as people um, and ensure that when we're not able to see each other that we still feel connected. So it's, it took a bit of work, but we really did um, you know, press on this idea of, of bringing everyone together and not, it not being about the typical day one stuff, right? They get that the next week when they go to sales base camp, but not, not the first day. Yeah. It is interesting. Like uh, my own experience with zoom was pretty, there's some real pluses. Uh, I have a, you know, a part of our team is in the Philippines and you know, you don't always see their faces at the all hands meeting, but all of a sudden like they're front and center and they're present and, uh, you know, they're there. And then we are, we are doing this sort of nostril reveal where we're revealing, you know, the personal backgrounds of these people to kind of make personal connections among all of us on screen. It does help. Uh, but there's a question from the audience that I think is interesting. It's like, you know, how do you, let's say, how do you provide guidance or uh, leaderships encouraging boundaries? So Lynn, you were just talking about bringing everyone together making sure they're feeling part of the culture. But, you know, Ronnie, you're, you're mentioning that your leadership and your, and Lyra was essentially a, uh, you know, allowing people to take more vacation, set, how do you set boundaries? How do you structure that so that you can uh, let your employees actually kind of get a break from work too and, and understand those boundaries? We actually just um, initiated it for ourselves um, at the beginning of this month is we've started blocking at 12 o'clock. Um, I've got to put the calendar invite on everyone's calendar to block 12 o'clock for no Zoom meetings, no slacks, nothing 12 o'clock is your time so there's a physical block on your calendar as a reminder and again it's coming from our leadership who's encouraging everyone to take that break to take that pause um so that's one of the things that we've implemented to really assist everyone in and notify in identifying that they need to take that break or at least being mindful that they're not taking that break very very cool yeah um and they can probably have a snack while they're I think that would be really good. <laughs> Sorry for the plug. I would, so, I would, I would highly the recommend the lemon turmeric cookies. Yes. Yeah, so, hey, we can reduce the inflammation in our body. In the nature box. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So um, let's let's go back to some other questions of the audience now. And I, I um, uh, for large companies over one thousand, what are some of the ideas for rolling out coffee nights, movie nights, etc.? You know. Um, how do you do that at a grand scale is one of the questions that came from, from the audience. Anyone have any ideas? And sounds like Lynn, that you, that the team, you have sort of a committee that's helping it kind of organize that stuff. We do. We do. I, I think what we do is we use zoom obviously. Um, and the size is not a problem with, with zoom. We, 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 we can accommodate thousands of, of folks. I think the idea is though, because we're across multiple time zones, it isn't as um, big, big if, you, if you're looking at one time zone versus the next. I think the other thing you can do 
is use the breakout room. I was in a meeting yesterday that was so effective uh, because they kept breaking us out into groups of two and three people. And it, it really did get, um, it made for a really rich experience because while we were talking big group, then we got to, to chat in the smaller groups uh, and get more personal. So I think there are ways to do it. Um, we sent everybody a movie coupon and let them watch it. And then we had a discussion group afterwards. We use mm. breakout rooms. There's, there's all kinds of really great ideas out there now because it's, uh, I mean, out of necessity, right? Yeah. At NatureBox, we actually put together a book club and uh, uh, we were talking about social justice. It was an interesting topic in our company and we wanted to educate ourselves and have a conversation about it. It was a pretty serious conversation. We threw some books out there. And uh, it was a kind of a meaningful conversation on Zoom, but it was a way to kind of engage and show that we care as a, as a, as a, as a team about, about what we're doing. Um, here's a question coming from the audience. Uh, would love to hear your thoughts on how your holistic engagement strategies can still be personalized. For example, swag may engage some, but one-on-one -on -one private recognition engages others. How, you know, how do you, you find success in uh, allowing employees to tell leaders what engages them? So part of this question is like, how do you do this at scale? Also, like, how do you communicate, right? How do you actually, uh, you know, do you poll your, your, your uh, employees to know, you know, what, the, what they're feeling? Uh, and so I'm curious, so like, how do you know what is the one-on-one -on -one engagement works? Maybe, John, this is like a question for you. From your experience in working with you know large companies, how how do you kind of organize all that stuff and and make it effective when different people things motivate different people? Yeah, well, I, I think it, on one level there are certain things that are common amongst human beings, and then one of the reasons we focus on the home or the family or the kitchen is that breaking bread even in 2020, you know, it used to be like you'd take people out to dinner or golf or experiences or ball games like that's kind of gone to the wayside a little bit, but still as humans we enjoy connection, we have families, we eat. So I think that there is opportunities to surprise and delight your team at scale. Like I could send the same silly knife set to 10,000 people, but based upon the handwritten note and the engraving and the spouse and the, it's, it's really the item itself, whether it's swag or not, like they can go buy their own knife or their own jacket or whatever. So it has, the details have to be dialed in. And to me, like if you want to make something a personal gift, like you'd never go to somebody's wedding, your best friend, and then take the Tiffany's vase and then put nature box on it. Like that'd be the cheesiest thing on the planet, but we do that in business. We call that branding and marketing. And what we're really communicating is, Hey, we want you to be a billboard and manipulate you into advertising our company. And so I think that being strategic with the details of personalizing, even if it's the same thing, including their spouse or significant other doing, you know, finding out your employees that have pets and maybe it's a custom pet bowl with their name on it, or like you can start to segment, you can do something as a blanket and then start to have these different buckets. If somebody has kids, like we're doing something, a lot of our employees have kids. So we hired Sweetology, this like, you know, renowned cake decorating company. And we're going to have this cake decorating contest at, um, around um, Halloween because a lot of the uh, trick-or-treating is going to be canceled. And so it's going to be a team building. It's going to involve the kids. It's going to be culture and, and fun and unique. And it'll be on Zoom, uh, Lynn. So it's, it's a, so we're getting creative you know, like, I think sometimes people are like, oh, it's just too hard, or I can't, I can't do this, I have too big a company, or too many people, but oftentimes, if you're willing to be thoughtful, and strategic, and creative, or, or, you know, partner with a company like Zoom, or Lira Health, like, it, finding the right partners to 
that can do the heavy lifting so that you don't have to do everything on your own. And then I'll just say one other thing is that no matter what it is, the leader sets the tone for everybody else. And so like, if you want your employees to take more vacation, you as the leader need to take vacation. Like I got a burner phone for three weeks over the summer and I was unreachable other than to somebody that knew my wife's number or knew the number. And so like, we can say like, take more vacation, but if everybody around you is putting in extra hours and working 80 hours, then guess what they're not going to do? They're not going to go and risk doing that. So I think as a leader or a division head or an HR person or whoever, like we have to model, like if you want people to be, have Zoomitude, like you better have the CEO and everybody leadership wise filtering down because that sets the tone. You, it, otherwise it's lip service and it's empty and hollow. And so I think that, you know, empowering your team, like all of our employees are empowered to send gifts to, to each other. They don't have to get approval from me as the owner or the CEO. And because they see the opportunities to take care of their team members and we treat them like adults and they're not sending Rolexes to people. They're sending like, you know, things of soup when they're sick. I didn't, you know, like I didn't know that was happening. They took it and ran with it. And so I think a lot of it is, leading from above, but also like treating people like responsible adults. And sometimes people take advantage of that, but in general, it's a small percentage overall. And a lot of the policies and procedures that are in place, we end up losing the meaning because we're trying to manage the 1% that's going to take advantage of things. And I think that really loses its impact. Yeah. I think those are, those are really interesting coaching ideas. There's some questions coming from the audience about zoom fatigue, right? Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> real. It's real. Like, so we, you know, at Nature Walks, just example, like we've had these happy hours and, uh, and, uh, you know, some of the team were super nice from the Philippines because they're waking up a little early for their happy hour. <laughs> like, you know, but everyone's sort of holding a drink and the conversation's going. And then, you know, people are like, okay, who's the first to get off this Zoom call, right? Like, who's going to exit? Because you can't just kind of like go to the back of the room and slowly want to walk away. So how, how do you prevent Zoom fatigue? And, um, you know, it seems like one of the strategies is really kind of have something physical analog to the conversation. So like marrying the digital world with the analog world, like cake building, any other ideas how to, how to manage Zoom fatigue? I, I, I personally just think it's, it's um, it, we're overbooked as human beings. Um, and before you know it, your, your day is out of control because everybody's just slipping things on your calendar and then it's one after another. I sometimes don't even get up to hit the restroom, right? So it's, it's about, I think, taking some degree of control in my mind um, and, and figuring out how you can set aside, Ronnie said it, she, she, had, she takes the noon hour for her whole team. You know, are there things that we can do like that, like no meeting days, uh, because I find myself working at night because I can't get work done because I'm in Zoom meeting after Zoom meeting after Zoom meeting. Um, as far as the fun stuff, I think you absolutely, if you can mix that up, I love, I'm, I'm stealing your idea, John, I'm borrowing your idea, John. Of, uh, you know, I'll connect you to the CEO. They, they're awesome. Uh, my, my, my daughter's a cake maker, so I'm, I, oh. I, I might do it with a different company, but, but I like the idea. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm kind of looking through these uh, uh, questions. Um, uh, there's another follow-up on the onboarding. Uh, so you touched on onboarding and the immersive experience Zoom can go through, which I love. Uh, what about two or three months in? What are you doing specifically to keep new hires connected, engaged, 
you know, to your culture and mission after that first sort of like push? Yeah. Um, uh, for, for us, it's about the happy crew and getting folks engaged with, with that. The other thing is just systematically we've built into our system, you know, the 30, the 60, the 90 day check-ins so that we're connecting up with the individuals at various points throughout their, um, their, their start with us. So we try to, uh, we systematize what we could and then obviously the happy crew has a lot to do with it as well. Yeah. We do something so, similar. Yeah, go ahead, Ronnie. Sorry, we do something similar. We did it prior to COVID. Um, now it's, it's a little different and unique, um, but every 60 to 90 days, everyone who is new to the company is having lunch with our CEO. Although now they have to have it at one o'clock, not at noon. Yeah. So uh, we are coming up on 1242. So um, what, what do you think are the predictions for the future? I'd love to hear from the panel your thoughts on is this really a long-term trend? You know, um, habits get formed after 30 days. Now we've had six plus nine months of these new habits, not only ourselves, but our families. You know, do you see this just, this is, is continue on change the workforce for the, for the, for the rest, you know, after two years, like what are your predictions and thoughts about the future? And I, I tee it up to each, anyone to kind of chime in first. I would say that Indicative of our future. Um, sorry, based off of the statistics that you shared that people are saying that they're enjoying working from home. So um, I think that we're making it work and we're finding some success in it. And that's why it's important that we identify some of the challenges before they become large challenges. And I think we'll have a good mix of in office and remote working when, when the world changes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, John, if you had additional thoughts on that, but because um, yeah, you guys, you've been be working. Hybrid. I mean, I think that, you know, as human beings, we still want to interact with people. I think we're all craving that. But I do think that we're realizing, like, especially in bigger cities, you know, hour long commutes each way and the stress of that. And like, as human beings, like, you know, if you have kids, you have doctor's appointments and, you know, having that flexibility to be able to perform, engage, but treat people like adults. I, I think people are realizing tech companies specifically, but really all companies are realizing like, do I really need all of that space or could I cut it in half or by a quarter and have times where we're getting together as a team or flying people in or whatever else. So I, um, if I was in commercial real estate, I would be a little nervous because I think that it's going to shift significantly. Obviously I, there's still going to be some office buildings and some industries that are going to say we have to meet or, or that's just how they want to lead. But I think this was a peek behind the curtain realizing this is uh, this is a, there's, not only is it can be a, more efficient and more like, you know, engaging, we can get better talent. We can take that money that we'd spend on an office building and pour it into our people versus having, you know, money that just takes care of some big, you know, rent in New York yeah. or LA or whatever else. So, I think uh, I, I think the tide has turned and the tipping point has taken place and we're not putting anything back in the box. Um, and so I my my prediction is buckle up. Yeah, uh, I, I so, agree with you, John. I think I think this is one grand experiment. And I think when you know you, as I didn't coin this term, but I like it. Uh, we before we were living um, life between the cra cracks of work and now we're working between the cracks of life. And I like that because that really does for me exemplify what's happening now. I think the winners are going to be the companies that 
adapt. And when I say adapt, I think they're going to think long and hard about what work has to happen in person. What is it that you, that you need to happen in person? And then think um, long and hard about how to make that happen. Instead of just returning to work as normal, they, they're going to rethink work as a whole and, and figure out what is the most important in-person interaction and put their chips there. Yeah. I think as leaders, um, it's really about authentic leadership and how do we re remain engaged with our employees. And I, I really like the, the, the conversation, John, about just authentic gratitude. Like how do you do it in a really meaningful way and trying to marry the analog world with the digital world is sort of like what we're, what we're really after. You know, at NatureBox, we're trying to help people, you know, in a small way, snacks are one thing. And we're, we, we love the way that we build our snacks, uh, you know, no MSG and they're healthier, uh, but they also have these ingredients that can actually lower cortisol levels in the body. Um, but we're finding that our business of helping companies engage with their employees is really what it's all about. It's like, how do we make those analog meeting minutes? Uh, how do we bring analog into the digital and, um, you know, creative uses of food is always a great way to kind of get to, uh, get to folks. So I really want to thank our guests. I, I think that uh, Ronnie and Lynn and John, you guys are terrific. You, you really, really knocked it out of the park. Um, there's so many great perspectives. We still, this is an ongoing discussion. Um, NatureBox plans on hosting more of these kinds of events uh, and, and, and content for HR managers and, and leaders of their companies to figure out how to engage during these troubled times because I think this is going to continue on. Um, a few housekeeping notes, like those that attended, I really appreciate it. Uh, NatureBox has also uh, offered you a, a free membership, annual membership to NatureBox. And so take advantage of that. And uh, just have a great day. I really want to thank you all for, for participating. Thanks so much. Thank you, John. Thank yeah. you, John. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. One final note before we cast off is I want to thank our sponsors, which is NatureBox, dedicated to providing engagement, wellness snacks that can reduce stress in one's body using adaptogenic plant-based ingredients, and services to really help HR departments and executives motivate their teams with these wonderful perks at home. Don't take it from us, take it from some of our big customers, Google, Facebook, and others. Thanks for joining, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.